Y'all ready for this? They've been more ready for anything in my life. Oh no, they were ready for that. This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A., Bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jammer link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScriptJabber. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code JavaScriptJabber, you'll get a $10 credit. Let's face it, bookkeeping is hard, and it's not really what you're good at anyway. Bench.co is the online bookkeeping service that pairs you with a team of dedicated bookkeepers who use simple, elegant software to do your bookkeeping for you. Check it out and get your free trial today at Bench.co. They help you focus on what matters most, and that's why they're there. Once again, that's Bench.co. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 200 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. That's me. Amy Knight. Hello. AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from Sunny Pleasant Grove. Jameson Dance. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. We also have uh, Blast from the Past, Merrick Christensen. Hey, guys. So it's been a while, Merrick. You want. Oh, did I forget Dave? I thought I said Dave. Oh, no. <laughs> Dave who? Oh, it's okay. Messed up. Just go on without me. It's not like my last name is Christensen or something, or first name there. <laughs> I have this big long list of names to read. I thought I got them all. So, Merrick, what have you been up to since uh, we last heard from you? Man, just on the same pursuit as everybody else, just trying to master this craft. Nothing new in particular, but still working in the same place. So you're in Pleasant Grove as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, American Fork, but same thing. I can never tell over there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Does anyone call American Fork Ampho? <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I'm going to start today. We are like the California way to say it right now. Isn't Ampho like some kind of uh, napalm or something? Yeah, it's basically a bomb, an explosive, just like American Fork explodes on the tech scene. Ampho. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Awesome. Cool. Well, 200 episodes, it's been kind of an interesting ride. I'm wondering, does anyone have any instances or episodes that stand out to them as, as favorites? This one. This I one. was going to say this one, too. What <laughs> 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 a bunch of smart Alex. That's all we got is wisecracks. I'm what? a dumb Alec, and I make dumb cracks. Dumb cracks. <laughs> nice. I really liked when we had Brendan Ike on the show. That was one of my favorite episodes, for sure. I liked uh, Substack and... Uh, Who's the other guy? Tom Dale. Yeah, that one was a good one for me. I'm actually really disappointed that in 200 episodes, I think I've been on about 160 of them or something like that. But in all that time, we haven't had anybody like rage quit. <laughs> but we we did come close with uh, Scott Hanselman. <laughs> you mean in the middle of the interview? Yeah, in the middle of the interview. Yeah, you I don't think I was on that one. What, we didn't actually. Happened? We didn't really get close. It, to him rage quitting he just yeah. well he thought i was trying to say something that i really wasn't trying to say and so he was kind of blunt like like i feel like you're trying to get me to say something specific and i, I felt very very embarrassed and chagrined because scott hanselman is I, I have a microsoft background he's a microsoft guy so he's definitely one of those people that i've known of 
and res- highly respect. So I had I apologized to him afterwards on you know, in private and hoped it didn't sound come off sounding too bad. But that for me was I don't know if that's a highlight. That's a low light for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking to Dave Herman about um, the book Effective JS. I don't know if you guys remember that. That was amazing. Yeah, that was pretty darn good. Oh yeah, dude, Dave Herman is so amazing. Yeah, we've had him on a couple of times, so, and he's he just kind of blows my mind every time. Because didn't we have him on talking about ASTs and parsing or something? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Every time we have him on talking about stuff that makes me feel so stupid. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm making dumb cracks. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to my world. I think that would make him feel sad to hear. It shouldn't make you feel dumb to talk to smart people. It should make you feel like you're getting smarter. Yeah. Oh, we also had him on to talk about Rust. I was going to say, that was one of my more favorite episodes. Was Rust? Uh, as far as the ones that I've been able to be a panelist on, yeah. I still remember Dave Smith's analogy about memory from that episode when he was talking about memory as just a giant array, like the <laughs> physical memory on your machine. I thought that was oh. a really cool way to explain it. Way to go, Dave Smith. Mm. I guess that was I my get- favorite episode, too, when I made that comment. <laughs> That was just the highlight of the whole experience for you. It's the pinnacle of my career. (laughs) That time that I said something smart, that was awesome. (laughs) I actually was thinking my favorite episode was when we had Mike Tyson on, but he bit off part of Jameson's ear, so we never put it on the air. (laughs) That one was a good one. Okay, has anybody watched the show Community? No. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Hilarious sitcom. They have an episode, you know, every sitcom always does the flashback episode. So they had their flashback episode, and it was full of flashbacks that actually never happened, <laughs> which was awesome. That would be awesome. I hate those flashback episodes. It's like, I've yeah. already seen the season. Come on. Hey, I yeah. think we need to do some more flashback episodes on this show. <laughs> Save us some time. Dream sound effects. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> so I was also a big fan of the V8 episode. When they talked about the internals and nitty-gritty details, that was really good. Hmm. Yeah, that was really interesting. Didn't we also have those same guys on to talk about Dart? I believe that we did. So was it the Rust or the Elm episode where the author of the language said, if there's ever a runtime error, it's a bug in the language or the compiler? I was Elm. Sounds like an Elm thing. I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah. Anytime someone comes on the show and says, when your code sucks, it's my fault, I'm just all over that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, we've done Elm episodes on Ruby Rogues and JavaScript Jabber, and they've both been in the top 20 popular episodes. And it just Mm. blows people's minds. It's like, whoa, that's why. Why did Elm come on the Ruby show? Because we had talked about it at one point. (laughs) I just wondered if maybe it compiled to Ruby or something. No, Why did Rust come on the JavaScript show? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, just just to make it because it was made by Mozilla. <laughs> Fair point. Hey, we just had Aurelia on the Adventures in Angular show. Oh, is that cool? Oh yeah, Rob's a smart guy, man. He does yeah. so much stuff. That's Rob Eisenberg. Rob Eisenberg. He's like the framework guy. He's done done every. I think he wrote every framework that actually ever existed. In fact, yeah, whatever if it wasn't for to him, Randall, he got more of it, I guess. So he's causing framework fatigue single-handedly? Yeah, he's single-handedly <laughs> causing framework fatigue. If it wasn't for him, there would only be knockout. That's all there would be. <laughs> so I have a a deep question. Maybe it's not deep. I have a question for y'all. How do you think your ideas about JavaScript has cha- have changed since you started uh, on this show? Well, I, I can answer that with a funny, a slightly funny story. Have you ever seen that Stack Overflow question that says, how do I, I have two numbers and I want to add them with jQuery. How do I do that? <laughs> yes. 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 It's, a, it's one of the best Stack Overflows oh, of all time. We need and, to uh, that. <laughs> and this is how I felt about JavaScript when I started, which was always use it at arm's length and only use a framework or a library that abstracts the language from you because it's unreliable on the different browsers, platforms where you want to run it. My mentality has gone from that to completely discarding any framework or library that abstracts the language and embracing the core language and then only using frameworks and tools that encourage me to embrace the core. So I've had a complete 180 on that. So if you're embracing the language, I know AJ wants to ask them, why why are you using ES6? (laughs) 
<laughs> what the telepathy? <laughs> the sixth sense is real. Oh, is that what the six means in the S6? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a sick sense. Oh, Got it. oh, that's what that's, oh he is sick. He is sick. Oh, <laughs> We've all been pronouncing it wrong. Uh, I just looked at when the first episode was. It was January 20th, 2012. And I think how my attitudes have changed is I had no idea what I was talking about back then. And I have a, a small idea of some things that I'm talking about now. Oh, so like you've before gone I was a giant run. You've gone from unknown unknowns to known unknowns. Yeah, I think <laughs> that basically <laughs> describes my my journey. In a lot of ways, that that really describes where I was too. You all were way ahead of me when we started the show. I mean, I would I just kind of dabbled because I was doing web development and started the show because Jameson uh, asked me a bunch of questions and I said, "Why don't we just do this?" Or it went something like that. Maybe he said, yeah. "Why don't we just do this?" Anyway, it was one of those. But yeah, I mean. For me, it was like, yeah, it's a jQuery, and then occasionally I'll copy and paste something off the internet and make my page do what I want. And it's come a long way since then to really having it shape the way that I do a lot of my web development. We had Yehuda Katz on as a as a panelist in the very first episodes, and he is so smart and so mm -hmm. articulate and so knowledgeable that I think he kind of got fed up that we couldn't really keep up with him. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, in a, in a nice way, he didn't like yell at us or anything, but... You uh, call this a JavaScript show? Yeah, I, that's, that's what I feel like <laughs> internal monologue was like. Uh, Are you sure this isn't Ruby Rogues? <laughs> you can't quote the spec chapter and verse and like, I don't know. But I feel like he really helped me realize how much more there was to learn in programming in general and then in javascript specifically so that was really cool for me to have him on early on so as long as we're talking about our own ignorance back in 2012 i did not i did not know what a prototype was prototypes are the monads of javascript like everyone <laughs> writes a confused blog post explaining what they are and and people love to talk about them you guys four years ago are describing uh how i feel a little bit this past year and still <laughs> I'm kind of curious, Amy, uh, since I think you're the newest person to join the show, how was being on the show different from what you expected? Well, I will say, kind of like most things in my life, I uh, typically think I do a horrible job and then I'm told otherwise. So I actually, after I first did my episode, I think I came home and told my husband like, oh my gosh, I was such a blabbling babbling idiot on the show and I'm so embarrassed. And, and anyways, but apparently everyone really liked me. So we still do. <laughs> and we already have a babbling idiot. That's <laughs> <laughs> not you. <laughs> we're, we're full up on babbling idiots. <laughs> uh, I don't. And for me, I guess like doing the show the past year, I think, you know, in some ways, maybe at times people would kind of tell me like, you know, why are you reading about this stuff? Because I like to kind of prepare for the episodes as much as possible. They're like, you know, that's silly. That's just like a, the new fad thing. But in a lot of ways, I think like being able to dig into everything just a little bit, like obviously, you know, I don't have a ton of time, but like seeing it at surface value has given me a really, really, really broad, you know, view of everything going on right now that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And, like, it's just been, man, like, so immensely valuable being on here with everyone. And, like, I learned so much. <laughs> well, I, I really enjoyed that. your perspective, Amy. I've, the stuff that you brought to the show has been really informative for me, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Thank you. It's awesome. I agree with the learning so much thing. I feel like it's really nice to have something that forces me to, to hear about cool new stuff coming up. And it's it's easy to look around and see how everyone seems like they they know more than you because there's something they know that you don't, but it's kind of like a non-overlapping. Everyone knows different subsets of stuff, but it's cool to know a little bit about everything. And I feel like the show kind of helps me with that. Yeah. I think like the attitude we all have too, like none of us look down on each other for not knowing something. And I love how all the panelists really try to make topics very approachable. Like if we were using words that we think like, you know, newer programmers might not be familiar with. I love that we kind of get Trying to get an e equal playing ground for everyone. I think it's not just newer programmers, though. I mean, it, it could be programmers that are experienced, just not in that field, too. So yeah. I, I I agree that I, I would like this show to be friendly for beginners, but I think it's also easier for everyone to digest if you don't assume that people um, know everything you're talking about already, because no one 
no one will know everything that you're talking about. So, yep. I have another show highlight, which I think I've mentioned before, which actually didn't happen on the show. Okay. I went to New York to a conference and I saw a guy wearing a JavaScript, a JavaScript Jabber t shirt. <laughs> right? And so I kind of like sidled up to him and said, Hey, how's it going? And he says, Oh, I'm doing really good. And I said, I saw your t shirt. It's an excellent show. And he says, Yeah. You know, this is like a year ago. So I'd been on. <laughs> I was just looking. I was on episode nine as a guest, and I was like on episode like twenty as a regular panelist. Seventeen as a regular panelist is when I started. So we're just I'm like chatting with him, and I said, "Yeah, it's a great show." And he says, "Oh yeah, totally. Those guys are really smart." And I said, "Oh, they definitely are." And he says, "He says, do you know Jameson?" And I said, "I said I do know Jameson. Like he's he's such a smart guy." He says, "Yeah, those guys are so smart." And I, he, says, he said something about have you ever talked with them before? And I said, "I've talked with them a couple of times." <laughs> And then at some point, he finally figured out that I was the other voice, one of the other voices on there. <laughs> you think you would have show. noticed because your face was on the front of the T-shirt, just one big Joe head. That's right. <laughs> you would have realized who he was talking to. Yeah, we sold those shirts and we didn't tell you. Uh, Joe, Joe comes up to some poor guy on the internet and he's like, um, sign, let me sign your shirt for you really quick. That's <laughs> what <laughs> I should have done. I got up, should have gone over there with a marker, just signed your shirt without a mask. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me sign that for you. I'm a oh, value gosh. creator. This is what yeah. I do. I just created value right there. <laughs> so, as another aside here, another uh, of my favorite experiences again happened off the show, and that was the very first episode that I was going to be a panelist on, not the guest, but an, but a panelist. Chuck had invited me to come and you know be a panelist, and so I remember I worked downtown, and I couldn't record. You know, there's no place to go and be part of the show. So I knew I had to drive home, which is like a 30 minute drive. And that was fine. You know, I could take a two hour lunch. No big deal. Well, somehow time had gotten away from me and I looked and it was going to start in like 10 minutes. And I had a 30 minute drive and I was freaked out like, oh, my gosh, Chuck's going to think I'm the biggest flake and loser. I texted, tried to call or send an email and I'm on the freeway doing like 85 or something trying to get back in time. And I got there, and then it turned out like I had looked at the wrong time zone or something, and it wasn't even going on then. It was going to go on in like another hour. <laughs> and I was so freaked out. And then being on a panelist, I as a panelist, I realized Chuck doesn't even care if I show up because he's he can just talk and talk and talk the entire time. I remember, <laughs> sure. I remember when uh, Dave called in, you could hear his turn signal. I think it was Dave. That was <laughs> yeah, funny. that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember AJ Salt Lake Police Department about that one. <laughs> I remember AJ calling a few times from his car, at least once from the airport. Didn't AJ call with a robot or something at one point, or like the shower was going? If I remember that. <laughs> no, no, it was. The, I think it was the garage door was opening and closing. That's a lot less interesting, AJ. Yeah, maybe it was the. Sh- <laughs> there I'm you go. Sure it was the shower. Yeah. At one point. Go with the maybe shower. Maybe I did call from the shower. I was in the shower on my computer. Hello, this is AJ on my shower phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, there was like running water in the background, if I remember. Wasn't uh, so- didn't somebody keep calling in from their car though? Was it Frosty or? No, we we one time had such a bad connection with AJ calling in from his car that we're like, yeah, bro, like. We can't even understand you. Like, sorry, <laughs> you know. I I called in from the McDonald's once or twice. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So I I because it was one of the call times or the car times, and I I went to the McDonald's instead. You actually, I I actually did re- uh, record from my car quite a few times, five or ten yeah, times. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yep. Look, okay. there was no place at work, so I went out in the parking lot, stole on the company Wi-Fi. <laughs> In my car, and what really sucked is it was right next to the airport, or sorry, not the airport, the uh, interstate. And so it was really loud. If the, you had to have the doors closed, and I couldn't turn on the car because that would also put a bunch of background noise. So I would tur- unmute myself, talk for a minute, mute myself, then crack open my door to let some air in because it was getting really <laughs> hot <laughs> and let the cool air come in. You know, it was like, I don't know, it was like 70 degrees outside or something like that. Hot enough that if you're just sitting in your car in the sun, it's baking and like you're 90, it's 90 degrees. And so I'm literally sweating in there <laughs> talking and then I have to stop talking, mute myself, <laughs> open up the door, stick my head out and breathe and <sighs> look. <laughs> yeah. I got to let our listeners in after 200 episodes. Like you guys need to know. 
we have a really high standard for quality when it comes to production quality. Like, <laughs> well, it's really serious. Well, that's what's funny is you have on one hand, you have like Amy and Jameson who are preparing for the lessons and studying. And then you mm-hmm. have Joe sweating it out in his car, <laughs> yeah. calling in. <laughs> that's like a metaphor for Joe's life. <laughs> I'm sweating it out in my car. That should be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I'm curious. I know that several of you have uh, changed work uh, situations over the last year or so. And so I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, how many of you are still at the same job you were in and how many of you aren't? And did the podcast get you fired? <laughs> or hired? <laughs> or hired. I would definitely say the podcast got me, helped get me hired when I went to Domo. I think that was a big selling point for them that I was a guy on a podcast. But I changed jobs twice since I've been on the podcast. I've changed jobs twice. I don't know that it helped. It didn't hurt. I think the big thing that it helped with was React Rally. It was really helpful to have people to ask questions about and kind of people to reach out to about speaking and things like that. It, it just was really helpful. I don't think I could have. Well, I know I couldn't have done it by myself. And uh, it helped provide a network of people to help. Mm-hmm. Did did you co-found the company that you're currently at, J- Jameson? Or no, I, I think it was the third hire or something. But I'm not found anything. I, I knew you nope. were in early. I just couldn't remember. Just a lowly engineer, and that is how I like it. So, Speaking of engineers at Qualico, does anybody know any interesting tidbits about new engineers at Qualico? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> So, fun story. Remember how Jameson was late the last episode we did and I was not there? It was because Jameson and I were on the phone together. Oh, my goodness. I'm not saying that Amy is Batman. I'm just saying I've never seen Amy and Batman in the (laughs) same room at the same time. My last name is Knight. Uh, (laughs) Oh, she's the Dark Knight. I knew it. Anyway, so. So, you have an announcement? I do. So the 22nd is my first day at Quali, so I am working with Jameson now. Are you moving to Utah? Uh, Not completely. I will be there one week every month. So oh, 25% of the time I will be out there, and 75% of the time I'll be here with my husband. Hey, 25% Utah is better than 0% Utah. I agree. I am just learning that for the first time right now. That's cool. <laughs> It, it might be just the right amount of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, given yeah. the air quality this week. Yeah, as long as it's not February. Right. Hey, congratulations, Amy. That's going to be awesome. Thank you. I am yeah. very, very, very excited. So yeah, I, I'm also super excited to work with Amy. I think it'll be fun. Congratulations to Qualico, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Engineering upgrade. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately this show no, had, I, I agree. Uh, had no uh, uh, nothing to do with Amy's yeah. new job. Yeah, nothing at all. No. <laughs> so, Jameson, does that mean you have to quit? <laughs> Are you interviewing your replacement? Maybe. It depends how ruthless she is, I guess. <laughs> so, so, the funny part, I think the last show I was on, I was mentioning, like, I had done the front-end master's React course the weekend before, and I mentioned that, and Jameson did a little dance. So, that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, is that all it takes to get hired at Qualico? <laughs> to mention that. Uh, yep. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good interview process. So uh, I might have to go intern over there. <laughs> That's we could, awesome. We could sneak you in. <laughs> they really do have an amazing team over there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I'm really excited. Everyone is so 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 nice. Just like all the panelists here. Um, I did want to say something though. We can get back to the job stuff, but really quickly, unrelated. This is like sort of semi-related. I think one of the coolest parts about being on the show for me, not just like networking, uh, like we're talking about jobs, but I feel like by having someone who's newer to the field on the show, after talking to my friends who are also newer, like it's really kind of enabled, I feel like the newer developers to feel okay asking questions because they hear me ask questions and it just kind of brings to the surface, like it, it puts aside like any shame that people might have in asking questions because they hear the questions here. So they Awesome. So that's right. <laughs> I think that that's one thing the show has opened my eyes to is that I think there's actually more new people than people who would consider themselves experienced. Like it's very much a growing industry right now. Yeah. So. I, I did not mean to uh, circle us away from 
the, the job topic, though, because I'm curious about everybody else's stories. So we should circle back. Well, I know AJ has some interesting stuff going on, and he's talked a little bit about his job move recently. You want to fill us in, AJ? I've had this idea for a long time that wouldn't it be cool if you could access all your stuff on the internet, but instead of it being owned by somebody else's computer, it was a computer that you owned. So what we're doing at Dapply is working on both hardware and software to create a the goal. The, the target price we're trying to get at is $99. So a $99 server that you can plug hard drives into, kind of like a, as if Facebook and an iPad gave birth to a server that you plug into your home internet connection. That's kind of... I'm not quite sure how to explain it because there's nothing really to compare it to, but it's the idea of, you know, not, not just like, cause there's some other devices like this and they call themselves clouds, but they're not like the Western digital quote cloud. Like all it is is a hard drive that's connected to the internet. There's no real cloud stuff about it. Whereas what we're trying to do is take the actual infrastructure that you get in the cloud like everything from domain names, like so so you set this device up with smithfamily.com or, or whatever, and that goes to the device in your house. And then you have an application interface like an iPad where you have distinct apps that manage parts of internet stuff. And of course, some of that is just simple files and folders, but we want it to be much more than that to include uh, music radio stations and a movie theater, lots of different aspects, and even eventually be able to get into the small business and medium business where people can take uh, processing and, and have their backups distributed across offices. And, you know, like that's kind of the direction that we're going. And we want it to be very JavaScript focused so that people that are high school students, I mean, this is what I, what I want. I want high school students to be able to just like, pick up some front-end JavaScript, program against our APIs that are being built similar to that that you have with Android or iOS uh, with the you know similar permission model and, and sharing data sharing model and, and be able to create new and interesting experiences that don't have any sort of legal complications because it's something that you own in your home. So no weird privacy policy, no weird terms of service. Like it's your thing that you own that uses your internet connection. Like it's all you from end to end. So did, was that a good explanation? Yeah. I And, and mostly I, I think it's interesting that you've actually, you know, where s some folks have moved on from one job to another, you know, you've moved on to, this is an idea that I have out there that I, you know, wish people had as an option and you're actually out there pursuing it. Yeah. So that's daply.com, D-A-P-L-I-E.com. There's not a lot of information on the website yet because we don't want to put out information that is confusing to the general consumer when we're not quite ready to to send that message out there. But there is a little sign-up bar where if what I described is interesting to you, you can um, put your email address in and we'll let you know as the Kickstarter and all that gets ready. Oh, cool. Well, Congratulations. Thanks. I, I want to move through everybody. Uh, Dave, did you change jobs after you joined the show? I seem nope. to remember they haven't fired have. me yet. Okay. And it's, at one point, Joe, you moved from full-time work at Domo to full-time uh, Pluralsight courses. Yep. Yep. And organizing conferences. So, yeah, I made a big, huge change in my career. Went from being a development schlub to being a Pluralsight schlub. <laughs> so you're basically unemployed is what you're saying? I, mean, I kind of cool. consider myself to be unemployed. Hey, Joe, you know what the difference is between an unemployed software developer and a consultant? Mm. Business cards. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So That's true. awesome. Fun story about Pluralsight. Whenever I talk to my friends, and I'll mention like jokes, I talk to them sometimes. They're like, most of my friends are like, oh, I just watched his video on Pluralsight about testing. So. <laughs> Joe, you're definitely the celebrity star power of this show. Oh, gosh. Look at you. Everywhere you go, you're getting thronged. I thronged. Know, right? Yep. Signing people's shirts on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Signing people's shirts without their permission. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've had a few changes here over the last year or so as well. The podcast finally took over enough of my life to where I actually couldn't do the full-time contracting anymore. People wanted more of my time than I could give them in a week because I was organizing and running and recording the podcasts. 
And they would get frustrated because I'd only put in 10 hours a week and I wouldn't get as much done as they wanted. So uh, things slowed way down for me last summer. And uh, I wound up doing Angular Remote Conf. There were other things that went on in my life, uh, you know, a little earlier. But anyway, that all led up to basically my house being in foreclosure at the end of the summer last summer. And Whoa. Angular what Remote happened? Conf actually made enough money to save my house. Wow. So, oh, man. Whoa, I had no idea. Yeah, a lot of people had no idea. But the, the conferences really kind of changed things around for me. So I've been really uh, pushing the conferences. The podcast sponsorships have also really helped. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm not full-time consulting anymore because between the two, I actually make enough to pay my living. So I, I didn't really get a new job, but the business has, has taken a different turn. So Cool. Man. Well, thanks for your sacrifice for these shows, man. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was pretty. I was getting pretty close to having to take a full time job to feed, just to you know keep the house. So yeah, that's that's been a major change in your career status for sure. Yep. So Chuck, do you miss like uh, for one thing, how much Ruby contracting consulting are you doing now? So I don't do any at this point. I have a few things that I work on that are related to the shows. So mm-hmm. the devchat.tv website is mostly Rails, a little bit of Angular, and then I've got a few other tools that I've built here and there for it. Uh, those are also in Rails, but I don't do as much programming as I used to. And mm-hmm. in some ways, I miss that, and in some ways, it's kind of fun to you know challenge my brain against the business problems instead of necessarily the programming problems. Right. So it's it's kind of a weird thing uh, as far as any of that goes. You know, there are definitely parts that I miss about programming full-time. I kind of went through this existential dilemma, right? Because I, I have five shows about programming, and I don't spend as much time programming as any of the other hosts at this point. So that was a little bit frustrating, and I worried a little bit about credibility. But at the same time, between the conversations I have and the preparation that I do, I am able to still contribute to the shows. And, you know, I, I do take it a, kind of as my job to make sure that the shows actually happen, which isn't programming but is important. So right. it, it's kind of been this weird change in process and job description over the last probably uh, six to eight months. Well, you um, definitely failed on Tuesday when we tried to record this the first time. Yeah, my computer crashed. I think your computer got <laughs> foreclosed on. Yeah, yeah, it did. I'll have you know, that was my birthday. We were going to record this oh. on my birthday. <laughs> we can and pretend. Happy birthday, Joe. Happy Only birthday. Joe would sit here and guilt trip. trip <laughs> <laughs> for his computer blowing up. Chuck, FYI. I mean, Jeez, Chuck. No pressure. <laughs> really ruined my life. My birthday was a failure because of you. <laughs> I'll remember <laughs> next year. That's funny. Poor we joke. need to do a live show when I come out there. Oh my god! Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's all go skiing together and record as we all fall. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I was going to say Chuck skiing might be a disaster. Yeah, I don't, that's I why don't it has to be live. Sorry, repeat that. Or ice skating. Ooh, hey, we ice... do have the Olympic oval here, Amy. You could come show us some moves. <laughs> oh. uh, it's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a triple sow cow. I yeah, I, I'm not sure I can do that anymore. <laughs> and Are settle you? for a quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> I just bet she could skate faster backward than I could forward, so. So my favorite thing whenever I'm on the ice with people who have not skated before is, like, go really, really fast by them, and then they get scared. Like, you don't even have to touch them, and they fall over. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like that, don't you? It's funny, though. Come on. Let me just tell you how it feels on the other end of that, Amy. <laughs> not well, great. I, had no, I would never have guessed that you have any sort of a mean streak at all. I'm just on shock. <laughs> I only do it to people I know and people who kind of maybe just I mean, like people like my husband. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this no. guy got to even somehow. She also paints tunnels into cliff faces and then uh, spreads <laughs> by <laughs> and then runs up the tunnel. <laughs> Anyways, no. Oh, Sorry. that's awesome. I would never do that to the elderly ever. <laughs> Just small children, huh? <laughs> See, the difference between you and me, Amy, is that <laughs> I do that on accident. <laughs> what, speed by people? Make them well, I, maybe not speed. Like It feels like speeding because it's like I'm tripping forward. 
Okay, it's on. We're definitely doing a JavaScript Jabber ice ice rink <laughs> show. <laughs> when are you coming out, Amy? Let's get this big calendar. Uh, I need to bring my skates then. Yeah, well, you don't worry. You can rent the really crappy ones at the ice rink. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Can you like, take those things on an airplane, or is that like a you weapon? You can't. You can't anymore. They are considered a weapon. Because if you've ever watched the... Ho- I think it's Halloween. That's I'm pretty sure that's how... I won't go into details, but... <laughs> I was thinking a happy Gilmore... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so what's our show topic for today? 200th <laughs> yeah. episode, huh, guys. <laughs> I, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, the conference organization that's come out of this because I, I don't think it's a direct result of this by any means, but Joe and Merrick and Jameson and I have all been conference organizers. I think Amy was involved in one as well as an advisor, mm-hmm. and I don't remember where I saw that. Dave and AJ, oh. you're slacking. She did React Rally, right? The uh, didn't know oh, was uh, that the one. I just helped kind of pick. Yeah, I just kind of helped pick speakers. Gotcha. Jameson and Matt were the big ones there. Thanks, by the way, Amy, for letting me sneak past the selection committee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you come out, he can slip you another twenty. <laughs> I couldn't see names. <laughs> Although, I, you know, sometimes when people put links in there and it's like you can clearly see who it is. I'm not sure if that's fair or not. But Right. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't give anything descriptive about who you are. Well, I, I think some conferences uh, publish their selection process. So, yeah. So they say we hide the names and so you put it in the description. But others I don't think do. And so people don't go out of their way to do that. And then at the same time, I think some people go, okay, well... I put my name on here so I can just, you know, reference the blog post that has half my talk in it or something. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm curious, for those of you that do organize conferences, has being on the show affected the way that you choose speakers and talks or topics? I think so. I think it definitely has. I mean, getting to talk with all these different people about all these various subjects sort of opens your eyes a little bit to all the different ways that you can approach a subject in some cases, it makes you more want to get the experts on a topic and not feel weird about asking somebody who wrote a library to come and speak. But in the other, in the other sense, I think it also, when you see like, hey, as a panelist, I've never been exposed to this particular topic and I'm able to, you know, have a conversation about it. So somebody else submits a talk, somebody submits a talk and they aren't the inventor of it, still feel okay that, well, this guy could, you know, give a good talk. I think it's I think it's affected it, but so does also just attending conferences and seeing that, seeing people speak, and seeing that great people give great talks, even if they're not the person that you know invented the library. There's not the world isn't full of just Dan Abramovs who are going to invent something world life changing just for your conference. That is it. That's another tangent we could go on. Is I feel like speaker selection is a lot like job interviews in that there are some signals you give off. But the signals that the thing that makes a good abstract doesn't necessarily make a good talk. Mm, um, quite true. And it's also a lot more biased towards famous people, kind of like mm-hmm. name recognition is a huge deal in both hiring and also in conference selection because it lets you avoid risk, I think, is why most people do it, because, you know, at least they're not going to do a horrible job. Like if you've seen them speak before, it's kind of a known quantity, but that might not get you the best overall talks. I think the thing that it's been one way it's been helpful for me is just talking to conference organizers directly. We talked to Chris Williams about JSConf and that was, I think that was the first time I felt like organizing a conference was something I could actually do, which is weird because JSConf is not something I could do. It's kind of like the Sistine Chapel of JavaScript community conferences, but just seeing that he's a human being and yeah, he did an amazing job um but there's just a series of problems and you can set out and solve them and that's and and if you do it then it'll be a good conference and people will come that was helpful for me yeah i would back up what you say but sometimes it's it's funny if you are going to submit a talk to somebody and you haven't spoken before to someplace i mean obviously do your best job but i think what really helps is to go and speak at meetups or find a meetup that will record your talks so you can post something up and show that you can get up in front of people and you can articulate And present a subject and give them something. Yep, and it's really good practice for you too. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I think, another thing that makes the difference between a great talk and an okay talk is giving the talk a few times before the conference. And so I like to go around to meetups and give the talk once or twice or three times before I go to a conference if it's an important talk. I don't think uh, Dave, you gave so Dave Smith and 
I was actually speaking of conference selection, we just had our office hours for NGConf, like an hour before we recorded this, where we, a couple of the organizers held a hangout for anybody who wanted to join to ask questions about the CFP process and, you know, any specific questions that weren't answered in our CFP. And in that, I give a big shout out to you, Dave, not that you were there, but your talk from React Rally, which is one of my favorite talks of all time. But did you <laughs> give that before at all? Or was that just... Well, the, the, the React hip? Rally organizers were wise enough to arrange for speakers to pair off before the conference and uh, schedule time together to do their talks to each other. And I did my talk for uh, Julia Gao. And mm-hmm. I got some great feedback and I realized it was really... The first incarnation of that talk was actually a big pile of crap. And so I... <laughs> reworked it a lot and that's what you got but uh, every other talk i've ever given i do once beforehand at mm-hmm. usually at a meetup that's what meetups are really great for the idea was uh, of asking the the speakers to practice was from react conference i think i think they go even mm-hmm. further they actually the organizers themselves sit down and and practice mm-hmm. with every speaker we were uh lazier than that <laughs> well it, it worked out really well like it. it it was great i definitely benefited this show is the only show involved on devchat.tv that has two spinoffs. <laughs> and the, the first one... Oh, can I, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Adventures in Angular. Uh-huh. And that show where um, AJ just calls in on his shower phone every week for 30 minutes. <laughs> you are so good. <laughs> Web AJ Shower Warriors. Or wisdom or security time, I think is what it's called. <laughs> oh, I actually forgot about the web security show. You're right. That is AJ's show. Yeah. I was half right. Yep. Okay. It's, so it's actually not my show. It's uh, John Shaver's show. Blah blah blah. So humble. <laughs> yeah, John kind of took it over for AJ when he got busy with Dapley. But yeah. Ah, uh, cool. So uh, Merrick and Joe came to me and. They bugged me a couple of times over several months before I actually said, okay, let's do Adventures in Angular. Right. Yeah, and then AJ came to me a while later uh, last year and uh, basically said, I want to do a web security show. And I said, I don't have time to be on another show, but go for it. And we put that on devchat.tv. So, I think there's actually a funny thing that happened when we talked about putting together Adventures in Angular. Merrick and I, you know, approached you and said, Chuck, we want to do this. And we said, you know, Chuck, you're not really an Angular guy, but Merrick and I, you know, we're big Angular guys. And listen, if this show makes a whole bunch of money, then, you know, we'd like to, you know, talk about maybe having a split. And then we found out that the shows don't make any money. They cost money. (laughs) (laughs) And did you, were you still interested in splitting the cost? (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Chuck, you can have all the rewards. Yeah, well, they, they make money now, so... But yeah, at the time, Good. Th- at the time I was shelling out for, for the shows and then I was basically, and I was, I was supporting them off of what I was making doing the uh, contracting and, and now it's the other way around. But anyway, they make money in the uh, academic sense of the word. So and with uh, web security warriors, I would love to have people's questions come in because it's called web security warriors, but we're not trying to be like the the super professional security analyst podcast, because I think there's already a a few of those out there and they're highly technical. What we're really trying to do is bridge that gap between the average developer and the security world and, and just kind of, you know, not give all of the details, but talk about topics and ideas and um, concepts that's, that a lowly, humble developer can take into consideration. Um, so it's it's definitely geared towards that audience, not towards the people that are already security professionals. We actually had a negative iTunes comment uh, to that effect, which, like, at first it was kind of hurtful. But then it was like, well, that's kind of what we're going for. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. And I was like, well, that's not that show. So anyway, yeah, and then we've also had React Ra- Native Radio join, so uh, and that's oh. been going strong. So how, you... how long has that one been going? Three or four months. Oh man, I gotta I gotta get my subscription up on that. Yeah, they do a terrific job on it too. So I've listened to several of them, and I don't know that I have any intention of learning to do React Native, but I was like, wow, this is a really well put together show. So. You know, I think it's also worth talking when you talk about spinoffs that there's actually been other shows not done by devchat.tv yes. that have been spinoffs of this, namely JavaScript Air and Angular Air. 
have basically been spinoffs of this. They've done their own, they do their own format where they actually do it live on YouTube, but those are essentially direct spinoffs. Well, not direct spinoffs. I, I don't want to take anything away from guys. Maybe indirect spinoff? Yeah, like inspired by people. I think people saw that, hey, it's okay for a, a Joe Schmo to just to start up a podcast and people will watch it. And not to take anything away from all the amazing people that are on this podcast, but I think the th- one thing that makes JavaScript Jabber the most amazing is the fact that it happens every week. Yeah, that, that's actually a really big deal is that it happens every week because people put it into their routine. In fact, uh, if the shows come out late, I get emails. I don't know if you know oh, wow. this. Wow. I get emails. Uh, is it coming out this week? Uh, hey, I, I, I missed it this morning on my morning commute. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah. That is amazing. Dear listeners, thank you for making us part of your day and your week. That is awesome. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I've done so much looking around for podcasts, and there are so few that are regular, even if they're once a month, to actually do it truly every month. So many say, we're coming out, you know, about every three weeks, then it's about every eight, ten weeks, they, they put out six episodes and they've stopped, yep. right? Because they realize it's a whole bunch of pain and not much reward. Yep. Sorry, Amy. Amy. <laughs> no, I just what you're that, saying yeah. is that they don't have a Chuck. They don't have, yeah, that's right, they don't have a Chuck. Or I think Mandy. one thing that I have to I've, give credit that, to that, Mandy. Yep, that's exactly what I wanted to add, and Mandy, because she makes us all sound wonderful. I think mm-hmm. one thing that I wanted to add that I've learned is how good Chuck is at a lot of the stuff that doesn't show up directly on the air. There's definitely something to be said for having dedication and, and effort put into the administration of the podcast. And that, as guests, we don't do anything. We, well, we, on top- like we can suggest people, we show up, and that's it. And right. Chuck does a ton of work on wrangling sponsors and managing the website and getting transcripts put up and publishing the podcast, all these different places. And he's good at that. And he's good at being consistent at it. And not a lot of people can do that like he does. Yeah, Mandy, so thanks, does, Mandy does a lot of that stuff too. Oh, I just, yeah, but you, I mean, you found her and you hired her and you pay her money and lots of people. Yes. But it's not just do. that as well. Another big thing is the fact that Chuck is actually a really great panelist. There's been so many times when we've had a guest on and I'm out of questions. Everybody's out of questions. Chuck's always got another question. It's amazing that he can come up with these questions that actually are meaningful when I'm like, I'm completely out. I don't know anything else to talk about. The person doesn't have anything to talk about. Chuck's like, well, let's talk about that. And he, he, I don't know if he's just got this because he's done this for so long. He's got this huge repertoire. But I think that's another great part of the show is there's been plenty of times when we would have sat for 20 minutes. Of course, it gets edited, but it would have been a lot less content if Chuck hadn't been around. Yeah, without Chuck, it would just be me going, okay, tell me again what your favorite color is. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, say thanks to Mandy for editing because I meet people in real life and they're like, wow, you sound terrible in real life, but you sound great on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, Dave, but... The quality is so much worse that, in real life. That's, that's why it takes like eight days to get an episode out. It's because of all the post-processing to get my nasally voice out of there. You know, if, you, if you're interested, basically the timeline for getting an episode out goes something like this. Uh, we finish recording. I put it into Dropbox. Mandy will edit it completely either the day we record it or the day after. And then she sends it over to the transcriptionists. And to turn that around usually happens over the weekend. We record this usually on a Tuesday. So those transcripts happen, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday-ish. And then it's ready to go up that next week. Now, we used to record the week before it goes live. And now we record two weeks before it goes live, which gives us a little bit of a buffer. I've also wound up supplementing some of the shows when we get too far behind with an actual conference talk from the remote conferences. So you've all benefited from that as well. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting process there if if you're curious about the timeline. Also, to edit a podcast typically takes, if you're really good, it'll take you one and a half to two times the length of the show. So if it's an hour show, she'll spend about an hour and a half to two hours editing. If you're new, when I was new, it took three to four times as long as the show was um, when I was editing shows at that point. So just to put that out there, I mean, that's the kind of time commitment that goes into it. And then Mandy still has to listen to it another time so she can get all the timestamps and links and everything else that go into the show notes and then put it up on the website and everything else. So uh, it is a bit of work to get it out there. What a job. I wonder if she's sick of hearing our voices. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how much JavaScript she's picked up on. (laughs) <laughs> she, she's picked up some. I know that she's picked up some programming concepts and actually done some Python and Ruby. I, I heard she's interviewing a Kowalico. 
<laughs> All she has to do is watch that front-end master's course, and she's hired. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to Mandy, thanks Chuck, and yep. thanks transcriptionist, whatever piece of machinery that is. I guess that's a <laughs> that's awesome. But that that goes through yeah, Upwork. Thanks through what? Well. Upwork. Odesk. Is that like a crowdsource thing or? No, but it's a place where you can find uh, people to do ah. jobs. So, yeah, I need to I need to actually put all that stuff down in a book. Uh, I have people ask me about that stuff all the time. So, anyway, I know that we're at a hard stop for some folks, so I'm going to push us to picks. Joe, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, you bet. Uh, I've got just two short picks here. Uh, obviously, besides just JavaScript Jabber itself, is it's, I think it's okay for us to pick ourselves, especially for the 200th episode. <laughs> and then I also want to pick the Harry Potter audiobooks. Been recently re- re-listening to those in the car with the family whenever we take a drive that's more than 20 minutes long. And man, I just keep getting impressed with how awesome Harry Potter is as a series of books. And so as a secondary thing in relation to that, there's the new book in the Reckoner series by Brandon Sanderson coming out on the 20th. I've been rereading books one and two to get ready for that. It's absolutely one of my favorite series of books. Just so amazing. So is that one calamity. Yeah. Calamity, which is coming out, but such an awesome series. And so I want to pick that as well. And then just a quick mention for anybody looking for an awesome Angular conference to go to. Angular Connect is going to be happening in September in London. It's the other official Angular conference where the entire team will actually show up and speak. So NGConf sold out, but Angular Connect is going to be putting tickets up on sale soon. So keep an eye out for that if you are into Angular and want to take a jaunt to London, whether you be an European or an American or wherever you live. Yeah, I keep forgetting, and on Adventures in Angular, I keep saying, yes, you should come to NGConf. And then Joe's always like, we're sold out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those are my picks. All right. Uh, AJ, what are your picks? Some of you may have seen today, meaning a week or two weeks ago, that scientists have discovered gravitational waves. And the New York Times has a really cool video on that. And that's not really what I'm picking, but I don't know how to get to the other videos because they just started playing in sequence. But there's a whole bunch of really cool science videos that the New York Times has linked to this article. I'm also going to pick a book that I read recently called The God Who Weeps. I've done a lot of uh, soul searching in the past month or so and a lot of consideration of life, the universe and everything. And This book was really interesting and it kind of gave me a reset on religion in some ways because there's so many typical um, things that people believe about one religion or another because because someone in some point in history made some creed or some doctrine or some statement and, you know, said that this is the way it is. And this book kind of peels that back and, and says, well, let's take a rational approach based on the way that humans are and consider what makes sense based on like the natural internal feelings that people have in their search for something greater in the universe. And and so it was just, it was really interesting to me and opened my eyes and it's, it's written by a, a member of my church, but it's not something that I think too many members of my church would, the ideas or concepts are necessarily uh, really well acquainted with. So the God who weeps. All right. Jameson, what are your picks? I just have one pick. It's a blog post by Julie Evans. I've picked some of her blog posts before because she has a really clear and approachable writing style to things that can be complicated. And she she usually writes more about kind of systems programming type topics, which are shrouded in layers of hairy neckbeards. Um, so I, I really like just how uh, approachable she, make things, she makes things. And it's called Have High Expectations for Computers. It just talks about kind of what the performance limitations of computers are. And she cites this example of a a web server in C that somebody wrote that gets, I think, 9 million requests per second. This is HTTP requests. Uh, And then talks about how we struggle with, I don't know, 500 requests per second in some of our like web frameworks that do a lot of work to make it easy to program in, but that we should know how high the performance, how how fast you can actually make things if you really try so that we are... um, encouraged to push the boundaries of performance on on our everyday like web development work that's my only pick all right uh amy what are your picks okay i have a couple this week actually 
so the first one, I'm sure if you were on Twitter, uh, you saw, I think it was maybe two weeks ago now that GitHub went down. So this is just on their blog. It's like their incident report. And I thought it was an interesting read. So uh, it goes into a lot of detail. So, you know, your mileage may vary on it as far as I go. But uh, still, it was really, really good to read. The other thing I wanted to pick, this is a super short blog post, but Kind of like I mentioned on the show, I feel like by having um, the show be friendly to all levels, I think it's encouraged some people who are newer to uh, write their own blog posts and things like that. But I felt like this was just a really good short read. Um, it was written by someone, if I'm saying his name correctly, was Denzel Braid, but it's just called What to Use, When and Why. So I think it has a good perspective if you're learning. Uh, the other thing I wanted to pick I will give a warning that this is not a secular book, so you may or may not be interested, but it is called Captivating. And if you have a daughter or maybe even your wife and you're into this kind of thing, I forgot that I read this book a long time ago and a friend of mine was going through something and I recommended it to them and it just reminded me how great this book is, but it's called Captivating and it's by a woman named Stacy Eldridge. It's S-T-A-S-I. Uh, and that is it for me. All right. Dave, what are your picks? Okay. Well, I actually don't have any picks for you today, and I was tempted to instead just make a pun and pick my nose, but I won't do that either, so I'll just have to pass this week. Well, I should have skipped you at the, uh, the end of the show instead of the beginning of the show. <laughs> uh, Merrick, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I actually do. Two picks. So one of them is this open source continuous delivery thing called Drone. And it's really sick because it's built on Docker. And so you're able to version your build agents using like a YAML file in your repo. Uh, I was able to get it set up in like an hour and we're getting all sorts of static analysis and code metrics and stuff per commit. It's been really useful for us uh, without slowing down our, our, our deployment pipeline. And the other one is a book called Haskell Book. It's by Christopher Allen and Julian. I'm not sure how to say your last name, Murnuki, but, uh, it's made, a lot of these concepts from Haskell are a lot more approachable for, for, you know, someone, me who comes from a design background and it's, it's just been helping me learn a lot. So the, uh, those are my two picks. All right. Uh, I've got a few picks. So the first one is, uh, Amazon prime. I am just going to pick it again. Cause I think it's awesome. Um, I love just being able to order stuff and, uh, get it, uh, within a couple of days. Uh, I also ordered some floating shelves, which are just, you basically screw a screw into the wall and you slide it over the screws and it doesn't really have any supports on it. Uh, and that's to put all my knickknacks up on my wall. Um, I've actually been cleaning up my office and, and doing a thorough job of it this time. Uh, otherwise the, the clutter tends to just kind of come back out from wherever I shoved it. And so I, I'm, I, those are just nice because it's just a good place for me to put the stuff that, is there kind of for people to look at? Not that anyone ever comes in here except for me and my family, but you know, anyway, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and pick those and we're, we're kind of in a political season right now. And so I'm not going to pick the particular books that I've been reading. Um, Just pick Donald Trump and move on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, no, it's fine. It's, it's interesting though, because a lot of people seem to be, uh, choosing their candidates based on like the couple of snippets they see on the news or whoever their friends are talking about. And most of the candidates, as I found, actually have books out where they talk about their viewpoints on the things that they want to do and their viewpoints on what they actually believe. And so what I'm going to pick is uh, going out and picking up the books that these people have written about the their particular point of views on these things. And then as you go out to primary elections or caucuses or things like that, you can actually speak up to what they're about and vote for them based on what they're actually going to get done instead of voting for them because of whatever it is that uh, was popular or stupid that they said on TV. So, so yeah, so those are my picks. And, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap this show up. But uh, thank you all for coming out, episode 200. We've been doing this for over four years. It's kind of amazing. But, yeah, thank you all for coming, and we'll catch everyone next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more. 
Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. 